Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, and I am recording live from San Diego, California. Well, I guess certainly not live because I need to stop it, edit it, and then post it, and I'm not live. So, not live from San Diego, California. It has been a while since I recorded an episode because I have not had my podcast equipment. I traveled here with my dog, Bronnie. She's next to me right now. And uh, in order to limit the amount of luggage I was carrying through the airport, I shipped my podcast equipment and the lovely UPS, What Can Brown Do For You? Brown, you could bring me my podcast equipment. Brown brought me my podcast equipment, and now I can record. So today is going to be an episode about free agency reflections, and I am going to use the NBA Finals odds as a way to work through some of the teams some of the major moves, some of my reflections. I'm not going to go too much in detail. I'm just going to kind of go quick hitter. And there are a few teams that I have placed bets on. So I will mention those right now as well. Boston Celtics are the current favorite to win the 2023 NBA title at 5-1 to one after acquiring Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. I think these are really good moves for them. I don't think that line holds much value. I do think the Celtics are going to come out of the gate and win a lot of regular season games. Uh, They could potentially win the Eastern Conference or be a top one or two seed. I would be pretty confident in that if they stay healthy. But I don't think that line has much value and we don't have playoff seedings or win totals yet. So we will move on and not go too in-depth on the Celtics. The Clippers are 7-1 to to win the title. I got this line at 8.5-1 to and I bet it. There are people who still believe the Clippers at 7-1 to holds value. I think it's right on that borderline. I really, really like the Clippers this year. They are the wing factory, the wing stop. They are Buffalo Wild Wings, whatever you want to call them. The Clippers are the wings. They have Kawhi and PG, most notably. But then you add John Wall, which I don't really think is that big of a deal. But you have the really is the Norm Powell and the Robert Covington, Reggie Jackson, Zubak, Morris, like they have Kennard, they have Trey Mann, I can't even stop talking, they have so many bodies, they have the highest payroll in the history of the NBA, we've been seeing that the Warriors have been paying a lot of money and winning a lot of games, so money talks in the NBA, and I would be confident back in the Clippers, I put a a full unit on them at 8.5 to 1, and this has slid down a little bit, I wouldn't mind betting it at 7 to 1. I do think you might get it better if they come out of the gates a little weak, but you're probably not going to get it if they come out strong. You won't see this number again. The Warriors are tied with the Clippers at 7-1. to one. They've lost a few key role players. I don't think it makes that big of a difference. They're going to hope their young guys develop and fill those roles, those auto-porters that Gary Payton's. If Gary Payton was so great, maybe Kaminga fills in that spot. If Porter was so great, maybe Moody fills in that spot. Um... The real question for the Warriors is, can James Wiseman develop into a real lob threat kind of rim runner and rim protector for them, a la Kevin Looney, but better? You know, There's a reason why they took him with the number two overall pick. Uh, Wiseman's really got to develop. If they do, you're looking at the next generation of Warriors starting already and continuing. I am not betting on them 7-1. to one. It is really hard to win back-to-back titles, you get 
everyone's best shot throughout the regular season. So you will probably get longer odds on the Warriors throughout the season. I also think Steph, Clay, and Dre are not going to be playing 75 games, 70 games. They're going to be looking in the 65 or below range of games. So they probably aren't going to be winning. They're not going to be a top two, three team. I I see the Warriors finishing around four or five and then being a very dangerous playoff team. So you might get better odds as the season progresses on the Warriors. Um, Let's keep going down the list. The Philadelphia 76ers. This is another team that I bet on. They are 14 to one now. I bet them when they were 16 to one. I love what the 76ers are doing. They're bringing in a lot of playoff bodies. Melton is a three-point shooter and solid defender who can play off-ball next to Harden. They brought in Daniel House. They brought in P.J. Tucker. They're running that Rockets crew back. Basically, just good playoff bodies. And I think the Harden hate has just gone way too far. Uh, I would love to see FanDuel post a or any of these gambling sites post props about which players are going to make the All-Star game. I still think James Harden's going to make the All-Star game this year. And we've just gone way too far into the Harden hatred zone. Uh, he's still an elite playmaker. He's still going to put up ridiculous fantasy stats. Uh, I'm buying on James Harden while everyone else is selling. He's about to get a, what, three or four year deal. He's going to be good for the first two. It might look bad on the back end, but at 30, 35 a year for the first two, he's going to be worth it. And with Joel, he's a lethal combination. So I am buying on the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, the next team that's interesting to talk about, Brooklyn Nets, 27 to 1. Oof. It just feels really good to no longer be a Brooklyn fan. Like It feels validating that I was no longer a fan the moment they signed KD and Kyrie because I was not a KD or Kyrie fan before that moment. I was annoyed. I've always been such a LeBron fan, right? My dog is named LeBron. So when Le- when KD signed with the Warriors and put a real thorn in LeBron's career because now they had the best team ever assembled and he couldn't really break through that, um, I was annoyed at KD. And then Kyrie subsequently wants out of Cleveland and I was annoyed with Kyrie. So when they both joined the Nets, they were like my least two favorite superstars. And I was like, I don't know if I could root for this team. I waited until I saw it real life in a jersey. And I just remember the first moment I saw them two playing together, I was like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. And now we are here. So it's a little bit validating to have been so right. Um, But this is my reflection of really what's happening. I think the three of them... KD, Kyrie, and the Nets as an organization being one entity were in a room together four years ago and came to this agreement. We're going to do this together. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. He's going to do that. Three of us, three amigos. Let's ride. Russ. Um, And Kyrie is the first one who doesn't hold up his end of the bargain. Whether that be taking personal leave time during the season, kind of unannounced. I think the Nets organization would have been totally fine with it if he had just let them know he needed some time. But just to ghost the team was a little bizarre. Then the vaccination stuff. 
so I think Kyrie was the first one who didn't hold up his end of the bargain. And then when they went back to the table, the Nets said, he's not going to hold up our end of the bargain, so we're not going to hold up our end of the bargain either. And now KD's sitting in the room there going, wait a second. Why do I have to hold up my end of the table if both of these guys are saying, I'm not holding up my end anymore? So therefore, KD is like, all right, this has gotten toxic. I want out. I hope this ends. I just kind of hope this is over with because as a basketball fan, I would rather see the Nets with like a new young fun group. I'd rather see KD somewhere else and I'd rather see Kyrie somewhere else too. Like I'd rather be done. I think the NBA landscape would be better if this team broke up and we moved on, which brings us to the next team right below the Nets is the Toronto Raptors at 30 to 1. Now, I bet them at 50 to 1 about a week ago because they're in the KD sweepstakes and it's like are they going to give up Scotty Barnes? Now, apparently they don't want to give up Scotty Barnes. They want to give up Siakam and Trent or something like that. If I was the Raptors, if I was Masai Ujiri, which I'm certainly not, I would rather give up Scotty Barnes than give up Siakam because if you're going in on Durant, then you want the best team around him as possible. And right now on this day, Siakam is better than Scotty Barnes. Yes, Scotty Barnes was Rookie of the Year, but Siakam was all NBA. Siakam was a top 15 player in the league. Fred Van Vliet was an all-star. Right now, Scotty Barnes is probably the third best player on that team. I also really like Ananobi. I would be trying to hold on to him. So if the, if the Raptors can get KD and hold on to Siakam and Van Vliet and OG, that is the direction that I would be trying to go and be sending Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes and limiting the amount of draft capital because you're giving them a potential future superstar. Uh, the next team, again, oh, wow, we're going four in a row on these the, conf- the finals odds because the next two are teams that I bets on. 36-1, to one, the Minnesota Timberwolves after, after acquiring Rudy Gobert, the Frenchman. I have always been a very big Rudy Gobert fan. I love rim protection. I think it is an essential to winning. I think it travels well in the NBA. I think it holds up throughout the regular season. Uh, maybe it's because as a better, I've won so much money backing the Jazz throughout the course of the last few years, except in the playoffs. They've always cost me in the playoffs. But net total, I've made a lot of money backing the Jazz throughout the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy uh, era. I knew it was time to end, but I also knew I would be a fan of whatever team Rudy went to. And it's not like I'm that big of a fan of the Timberwolves. But I think there's real value in this line. The Timberwolves were 40 to 1 before they acquired Gobert. And then they moved to 32 to 1 after the trade. And subsequently, everyone was hating the trade for the Timberwolves. And they dropped back to 36 to 1. Now, the Timberwolves are definitely a playoff team. Cat could get injured. 
they're still a playoff team. Gobert could get injured. They're still a playoff team. Anthony Edwards could get injured. They are still a playoff team. This team is very insulated and is certain to make the playoffs. And if you get to a 36-1 to ticket, if you even make the first round holding a 36-1 to ticket, you are guaranteed to be profitable. You can hedge off that super easily. And there is real value in this line. I really like it. I laid a half unit on it. I don't expect the Timberwolves to win the NBA Finals. I certainly expect them to make the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to be that long of odds in their probably 3-6 or 4-5 first round series. And this is an easy, easy hedge opportunity. Now, I feel the exact same way about the next team on the list, which is the exact same mythology to methodology to betting, is taking the Chicago Bulls at 46-1. to They're bringing back Levine. They're bringing back DeRozan. Vooch is talking some shit on Twitter, and I kind of like it. I think he's going to come back a little better. Lonzo should be healthy. Desumnu, a year older and more progressed. Caruso, back. This elite perimeter defense, back in the fold. Patrick Williams, healthy and a little bit more developed. The Bulls should really be a locked-in playoff team. And because of that, when you have a playoff team and you have a 46-to-1 ticket and you have a half unit on it, you don't expect them to win the NBA Finals. But you say as long as you get to the playoffs, I am guaranteed to be profitable. Now, the last team that I bet on, I think, yep, the last team that I bet on is the Pelicans at 55-to-1. Now, I don't think... They're going to get Durant. I think it's a real long shot. Um, if I was the Pelicans, similar to my philosophy on the Raptors, I would rather give Zion. I know they can't anymore because of the designated rookie extension, the Ben Simmons rule, the rule that after you sign someone, you need to wait six months. So that's why I think this one's probably dead. Maybe I should cash out of this at even money while I can now that I'm talking about it. But if the Pelicans reach the playoffs, they're probably a you know a play-in team. They're a firm play-in team this year. If they make the playoffs, if they even reach the play-in with a 55-1 to ticket, this should be hedgeable. And basically what I'm doing is I'm not expecting these to win. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. You don't expect these tickets to win. Of course, if the Minnesota Timberwolves win the NBA Finals, then the 76ers won that I bet on, the Bulls won that I bet on, the Pelicans won that I bet on. They all lose. I mean, but if that one wins, it's a huge win and it covers all the losses. But we're essentially building a portfolio of futures so that when we get to the playoffs, we have locked in such value that we know we are going to come out ahead. That is the goal to doing all of this. And that is why I think the Pelicans were worth betting on because maybe they get in the Durant sweepstakes, probably not, but they should still be a borderline playoff team, an exciting team. Uh, I'm a big Dyson Daniels fan, and I think what we, the way to bet the Pelicans is to hammer the over to start the season. 
I think betting a lot of the overs when Zion, Ingram, CJ, Jonas Valanciunas are in the four of the five starters, you they're going to be so much offense. And then I think when they find their groove, they're potentially going to have a pretty lethal defense with the Alvarados, the Herb Jones, the Dyson Daniels, the Trey Murphy type young, versatile uh, defensive stoppers. And I think that's when you start betting the spread. So we'll start by betting Pelicans overs to start the season. And then we're going to get to Pelicans against the spread once the defense starts clicking. Because it is possible that they go on a run where they are really blowing out some teams if they're playing high-octane offense and strong defense. Okay, I'm looking through. The Hawks, 50 to 1. We could talk about DeJounte. Knicks, 120 to 1. I, on, I like Brunson signing for them, but we don't need to talk about it if they're 120 to 1. We could talk about these things and the, you know, Detroit's really good draft. Pacers, maybe in the eight and sweepstakes. So there's maybe a few more dominoes to drop. And as more things happen, I will come back and record as we get things like win totals. I will come back and record as we get things like odds to make the playoffs. I will come back and record. Oh, and certainly we will be doing uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all of those discussions. I will be joined by guests to do those. I think the next episode I'm going to be posting is about rule changes in the NBA, and I may have a very exciting guest for that podcast. So stay tuned. I should talk to you guys later this week and come back with some NBA rule changes. Talk to you later. Peace.